Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Luke Wilson. Luke is with a company, 4IQ, and we're going to explore not only his role at the company and what the company does, but what the cyber world and reg world in his space is saying and doing right now. So Luke, with that incredibly long with an introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. I greatly appreciate it. Luke, could you tell us a little bit about your role at the company? Sure. My role is the vice president of intelligence here at 4IQ. Just a fancy name for saying that, you know, I've got a pretty lengthy background in intelligence analysis, also in investigations, working for the federal government and the DOD and IC space for almost 18 years. So being able to see um, cybercrime, look at cyber threat analysis, derive some analysis from cyber threats, and also, you know, have a pretty good background in counterterrorism as well. So that's what I bring here at at 4IQ, but most of the time is spent mainly talking to our clients and potential clients, trying to see how 4IQ can help and assist them with fighting the good fight and, and assisting them in protecting their clients and themselves as well. Luke, 4IQ says of itself, it's the adversary intelligence company. I was really intrigued by that. And I wanted to ask you, what does that mean? It basically means all the companies all of our clients are facing different issues. And so we don't want to say that, oh, you're specific. We're specific to cyber crime or cyber threat intelligence or identity intelligence. What we want to say is that we're here to help you defend you know, yourself from adversaries. So the banks are probably facing something a little different and the financial sector from cyber crime and cyber threat actors than maybe Amazon or Google may be facing. So whatever your problem and your, the individuals or the groups or the APTs that may be attacking you, we want to help you gather intelligence on those individuals so you can understand their TTPs, what they're after, and how to kind of prevent that from happening in the future as well. So that's why we call ourselves the Adversary Intelligence Company. Luke, I visited with several people that had a background, I would say, a little bit similar to yours, came out of the DOD or other government agencies, but they really said the government was focusing on their contractors' supply chains and really asking companies to take a look at not simply the resilience of your supply chain, but the possible interruption of your supply chain by some very bad actors. And the thing that struck me is that because the government is doing that, in many ways, it leads the private sector. And so that's a long-winded way of saying, are you able to have conversations with your clients in the private sector about their supply chain and, and beyond simply supply chain resilience, but also supply chain in terms of cybersecurity? Oh, yes. Definitely. That is a huge issue right now. You need to know, you know, you need to have some supply chain management, but then really understand what these third party services and what they're actually providing you and who's providing that information or data or 
maybe, you know, infrastructure to them as well. So it's a very intensive process to understand that. And you can imagine, you know, imagine your, some of your largest financial institutions out here, their supply chain is probably ridiculous when you look at it across the surface of all the different type of services that they provide. But then to get into the technical side of that and the cyber side of that, who actually makes the chips that goes into your servers, things of that nature could be millions of, 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 of different third-party services in your supply chain that you have no idea that, you know, maybe that chip is actually made in, in China or something like that. And so these are the good conversations that we're starting to have as a government and rightfully so in the uh, private sector as well. Luke, one of my observations about the impact of the coronavirus health crisis has been that it has accelerated, sometimes exponentially, trends that were already in play. So things that might have been either lesser risk or at least on lower radars of people in 2018 and 2019 are much more higher on their radar now. Would you find that to be a fair assessment in the cyber world as well? Oh, yes. Very, very fair there. If you really want to put it into context, it's the perfect scenario for cybercrime and cyber criminals to ramp up their attacks where you've had individuals that were being protected by their networks at their place of work. Now you have more people online at home connecting to their Wi-Fi's possibly. And you would consider these individuals to be trained professionals, mainly because they have to go through some sort of training with their own company in learning about almost really basic what to click on, what not to click on. Being at home now, this changes the dynamic of it. You're having this bleed over between work and personal. You know, additionally, you have millions of children online as well trying to do schoolwork. It's just the perfect scenario for these cyber criminals that have not only waited to <laughs> pounce on this opportunity, but it's almost, you know, I always think of it almost as, you know, the Discovery Channel. Uh, they show these, what do they call it? You know, like the gazelles or the, I forget the type of animal it is, but they're running across that river there with alligators or crocodiles and they just pick them off one by one. It's because there's a massive amounts of individuals now working from home without that specific security from their own companies. Additionally, you have the things that were out there previous to this, such as ransomware, phishing, we've seen upticks in that, very high volumes in it, because they are understanding that there are novices behind the computers now. And now I can get your attention too, as well, with something that's that everyone around the world is worried about, COVID-19. So if I can craft something around that in an email and get you to click on it, that's a win for them. Now they're in your in your system and they're pulling away everything that they need. But I think the the big issue here is that bleed over between your your private life and your corporate life now being mended together. I expect this to continue on for a long time now. Luke, we're recording this, as you know, in late September, and I used to ask people a question along the lines of, where might you see us in Q3 or Q4? And now, unfortunately, I ask, where do you see us perhaps in 
2021 or even 2022 in terms of some of the top threats? Do you see a continuation or acceleration of the trends in 2020, or do you see actually new threats on the horizon? I kind of see a continuation of the threats that are out there now. A lot of what's going on is just repackaging of what's been happening for a while now in the cyber threat landscape. So, you know, I still believe that there's going to be a lot of ransomware targeting specific companies. I do believe you will see probably a fairly large uptick in the fake news and hoax campaigns, whether that's over political issues or the COVID-19, the, I forget what they call it, but the shot, the vaccine that they're trying to distribute and let people know about. There's just so much going on with COVID-19 that that theme is always going to pique someone's interest. And if you are sending anything about it, there's pretty a pretty good 90% chance that somebody might click on it. I think the ransomware campaigns and things are going to just skyrocket as well. I think we're going to see this going for a very long time until COVID-19 is not the main topic around the world. Luke, I don't want this podcast to sound completely depressing and doom and gloom. So let me see if I can change the focus just a little bit. My background is in anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance, and many of the listeners of this podcast are a little more familiar with that than perhaps the types of compliance you and your clients face. But in researching the company yourself and a little bit about this podcast, it seems to me that the regulators and enforcement authorities, at least in the cyberspace, are really trying to work with financial institutions. They're trying to work with private companies to help fight cybercrime, certainly money laundering and, and other types of financial crime. Do you see really a greater push from the regulator side to work with companies to try to, we'll never get rid of it, but at least stem some of the major types, particularly around money laundering and financial crime? Oh, yes, definitely. If you've seen, as of late, there's been numerous investigations and indictments on individuals, groups that have applied for the payday, you know, the triple P loans. And a lot of that is a testament of the regulators and federal government entities looking at this and seeing that, hey, this is a big threat, not only to financial industry, but to the U.S. economy. Some of these loans may have been given to people that are in other countries. <laughs> So I think that they're trying to do a really good job with what, you know, the circumstances are right now with COVID-19 and trying to boost the economy, making sure that individuals are still trying to get paid. You know, they can apply for these loans and be assured that one, that they will receive them, but also that they're going to the right people. So we'll see more of that coming down, you know, in the next year or two. But whenever you have a massive event like this, you can expect that there will be some fraud going on. So it shouldn't stop the regulators and, and Treasury from wanting to assist and help the American people and, and their businesses. But I probably would assess that they'll put a little bit more stringent criteria on there after what they've seen happening uh, now with some of these loans. Luke, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this podcast, but I was wondering if listeners wanted more information on 4IQ, where can they go or how can they get it? Well, we have a, a website, 4IQ.com. We also 
released a COVID-19 threat report that you can download on that website. There's plenty of information on there about us and what we believe you know, some of the threats, the top threats are now for COVID-19. And additionally, you know, we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think those are the major places that you can find us at. And I would just add for any of our listeners, you really should check out their website because under their resources tab, they have a wide variety of resources, both written material, reports, and podcasts. And if you're in this space, or even if you're like myself, perhaps more of an ABC compliance practitioner, it's a great way to keep abreast of the ever-changing cybersecurity world. Luke, I want to do a thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. And perhaps as we move forward in uh, at least the COVID-19 era, I might be able to call upon you again for uh, some additional advice somewhere down the road. Yes, definitely, Tom. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for scheduling us. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.